All right. So I don't know um, how many of you were here over the weekend, but we hosted our marriage conference, Love and Respect. And I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Just, just a fantastic weekend. Uh, and it was great. We partnered with South Mountain Community Church, which is down in Draper, to actually put this event on. But then we put it out to every church in the valley. And this place was packed. We had like over 800 people in this building. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great, great day. Um, I, I want to tell you, I'm going to share here in a minute. I, I've been ruined all week. I got ruined at this, at this, and Susie's going to be really glad that I got ruined. <laughs> but, it, but it's a beautiful thing. And, and so what we decided as a church is we wanted to go ahead and take the baton from this marriage weekend and run with it for a few weeks, okay? So a lot of great information. We know a lot of you weren't there and didn't get it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take four weeks and we're going to level up in our relationships. We're going to go, how can we keep leveling up? How can we get to the next level and keep going so that our relationships can be the best that they can be? Now, we're not talking marriage for four weeks, okay? We're talking relationships. We're talking with your coworkers. We're talking with your kids. We're talking with your friends. We're talking with the people in here. But obviously, when we talk about relationships, yes, obviously, these will be super important for your husband or your wife as well, okay? Now, and here's what's great, is we can just actually throw God out of the picture. You don't even have to believe in God at all. And here's what all secular psychology tells us. If you're human, you cannot live a healthy, fulfilling life unless you have healthy, fulfilling relationships. So even if you're here and you don't believe in Christ, if you're checking this whole thing out, if you're wondering about God, I, I just want to tell you, I think you're going to get a chance just to see what, well, what does Jesus have to say about relationships? Because my relationships matter to me. And that'll be super important. But now let me bring it home to all of us who say that we actually, I follow Jesus. Because our mission here, what are we doing here this morning? <laughs> Why are we here? Because we want to invite those of you who are considering Christ, we want to invite you to follow him. Because what we're finding is when we follow him, things work. <laughs> but we also want to equip you. Once you start following him, we want to equip you. And I want to tell you, if you're a Christian today, if you follow Jesus Christ, man, this, this, here's the other thing that ruined me, was prepping for this message. Ruined me this week. And I think it will you. Anybody excited to get ruined? Yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you, as a Christian, why this would be important to you. Why do we need to talk about relationships? Because Jesus said one thing. I have one command, he says, love each other as I've loved you. If you follow Jesus, then you must love each other. We've got to figure this out because the one we follow is the one who said we've got to do this. Here's another one. He says, the love of God cannot be made complete in you until you love one another. So if you're just trying to get God's love, but you actually never give it out, that love will never be complete. His love only works as if you receive it and if you give it. So we got to figure out how to do this so that love can be made complete in us. Here's the other thing he says, every time you love, anytime you do anything to anybody else, he says you do it to? Me. Yeah, you do it to Jesus. <laughs> so whatever you're doing or not doing, however you're treating the people around you, he says, just so you know, you're actually doing that to me. So this is kind of important, how we treat each other. And then he says, and when you actually do love like me and do this, then people taste and see that I'm good. We are the way, the church, God's, what a, I don't know, maybe we can all ask him one day, seriously, God, where are your plan? <laughs> where are your plan to let the world know all about you? Uh-huh, he is, yes. 
Yes, you are. Because when you touch and love another human being and you do it like I do, it will draw them to me. And here's the greatest one, I think, for me. Jesus said, and if you would do this church, if you guys would love each other, get your relationships together, he says, the world will know that I came from the Father. So can I just tell you, if you follow Jesus, what we're gonna talk about today is critical on all those components. Super, super important, all right? So in the book of Ephesians, in chapter four, Paul starts telling us how we shouldn't live. I mean, we're Christians, we're, we follow Jesus, things are different. And he goes, and then after he talks about how we shouldn't live, he says this amazing statement. He says, that's not the way you learned Christ. Now note, I love this, because he didn't say, that's not the way you learned about Jesus. No, he says, that's not the way that you learned Christ. This is super important. I used to say this all the time, and I don't say it as much. I, maybe I should start saying it again. When we first started K2, I would say all the time, I don't want to just tell you about Jesus. I want to introduce you to him. There's a big difference. I can tell you all about my wife. And what's so funny is many of you have never met her. And as much as I say she's awesome, until you meet my wife, you'll never know. And here's what Paul's saying. I don't want you just to know about Jesus. I want you to learn Jesus. And he goes, and when you learn Jesus, he says this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 23. When you learn him, when you were taught in him, you were taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Now, now you ready for this? You were taught to put on a new self because you were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's Christianity, you guys. By the way, so again, if you're not here, if you're here and you're not following God, we are not trying to make ourselves better and try to do good things, okay? So that God will eventually like us. No, Christianity is people who said, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't follow him. I'm a sinner and it's ruining me. It's ruining me with God. It's ruining me with everybody else. And we finally just admit that. And once we confess that, Jesus forgives us, reconciles us back to God, but then he fills us with his spirit. So listen, all you Christ followers, you are filled with the spirit of God to be created like God. Now, you know what no, it didn't say? Not to be created to be a God. <laughs> created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, here's the crazy thing. So he goes, all right. In the next verses, as he goes down, he goes, so let's take a look and see what it looks like to be like God. Verse 25, this is fascinating to me. Therefore, because you're created to be like God, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Four verses later, he says this, continuing his thought about, you're created to be like God, you're created to be like God. He says, so don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So here's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about, you guys, we gotta watch our mouth. We gotta watch our mouth because the first thing that Paul says that you and I have to do to be like God is how we speak. It's the words that come out of our mouth. Now, that's crazy, right? So first thing we need to understand, this isn't the message, but this is fast. Don't miss this. If that's how we're supposed to be like God, then what does that tell us about our God? Our God is a God who 
uh, speaks. <laughs> he speaks. And so, and when we listen, and what's amazing, I'm in Luke, chapter, Luke right now just for my own personal time. Luke chapter one is a Christmas story. So I'm reading through it. And the angel comes to tell Mary, Mary, you're going to have the son of God. <laughs> She's freaking out. How can this happen to me? And, and then the angel says this amazing thing in verse 37. No word from God will ever fail. There is power. When God speaks, it's powerful. But here's what he's saying. And when you speak, it's powerful. So James chapter three says this. It's verse three. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn, uh, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. That picture right there, man, that is some power. <laughs> I'm not a horse guy, right? Because I don't even like to climb a ladder, which means I don't like to get on horses either because <laughs> I can fall. So literally, whenever I get up next to a horse, it's just like, ah, the power in that animal. Put a little bit in it and it controls it. He goes on in verse four, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. That thing is massive. It's like, I think maybe the biggest one when I was looking them up in the, in the world with all these sails and wind is so powerful and all it needs is a little rudder and it moves it. And then in verse five, he says this, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Do you guys hear that? What you say, not the physical thing, but when you speak, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Listen, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, which we just did, right? We just sang praises to him. And with it, we curse human beings. The people right in this room, maybe the person you're sitting next to, and they have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now here's what we need to understand. Every word that comes out of your mouth is that powerful. But Proverbs 18.21 is it doesn't have power just for evil. The tongue has the power of life and death. 
And I want to tell you, we need to understand this. Life and death are in the words that you and I speak. So I think that's why he said, listen, you're created. You, you finally have now. No one, no one can tame this thing. It's setting the course of your life. It's ruining your marriages. It's ruining your relationships with your kids. It's, it's causing destruction in your workplaces. They're this, this tongue, these words are destroying us and nobody contain, can contain it. But you and I, who humbled ourselves and said, you're right, I can't. Jesus, please rescue me. He goes, okay, now I'm gonna fill you with my spirit of truth. And now you have the power inside of you to change this around and also create life. But here's what I want you, man, please. We, I, this is one of those things I think we intellectually go, yeah, I get that. But man, do you know what you're doing? Every day. Every day, you and I are either producing life or death in those around us. It's crazy. So you carry the power of life and death. And now we're going to look at the, I'm going to unpack these two verses for us. This is so super practical today, you guys. And, and by the way, if nobody can tame the tongue, then who's this message for? Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> None of you are escaping today. Now, your issue with the tongue is going to be different than the person sitting next to you. So listen carefully. I'm telling you, as I tell you, while I'm speaking, God who loves you is going to speak to you. You're going to hear this. It's going to prompt you. It's going to convict you. It's going to encourage you, okay? So here we go. Falsehood is death and truth is life. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So Alexander Pope says this, an honest man is the greatest work of God. <laughs> because none of us can do this. If somebody actually can be honest in this way, it's a divine thing. So let's talk about falsehood. Putting off falsehood. By the way, this is so interesting in studying this because I, I, I think for me as I've read this verse, I just think it's the same thing, but it's not. Putting off falsehood is different than speaking truth. And there are two different things that we got to understand. So putting off falsehood. How, how do we have, how do you and I live in falsehood? Okay, well, um, so I think it probably happened this morning. How many of you met someone this morning and said, hey, how you doing? And they all said what? Good. And half of you just lied. Right? <laughs> It, it happened this morning. Your wife comes up to you and she says, honey, does this make me look fat? That's, Jesus goes, okay, you can go ahead and lie on that one. All right. See, we call these white lies, right? And that might actually be a holy lie. Just, yeah, this is going to be better if you just go with that. I, okay, that's, that's, don't quote me on that. That's, I'm just saying, it's probably better for your relationship. No. All right. But we have these things that we call white lies. Why do we call them white? Because we think it's okay to do them. And so, you know, we, what we do is we fudge. We, we fudge the truth all the time. Can I ask you a question, Ron? How many of you in this room, it's, it's mid, almost end of February, how many of you in this room have lied so far in 2019? All right. And how many of you in this room consider yourself to be a decent, honest person? Isn't that hilarious? See, because here's what, here's what we want. We want to fudge things. We want to be able to look in the mirror and go, 
Yeah, you're a good guy. You're a decent, honest human being. And at the same time, we want to lie just enough so that it helps benefit us. And we want to find the middle ground in there. And we all do this. We live in falsehood all the time. Here's another way we do it. We have benevolent lies. Okay? So last year, uh, went to Highlands initial soccer. You know, uh, we had a new coach for, for our daughter's team. And so he was telling us how things are going to work and how, I, how I'm as a coach. And here's how I want you to be as parents. And this was so interesting. He says, so can I, I I'm really going to ask this of you, uh, of you parents. He goes, if you're on the sideline and your daughter shoots at goal and she misses it by like 10 feet, and I know what you're going to say. You're going to go, good shot, good shot. He's like, it's not a good shot. <laughs> he goes, I don't want you to say good shot. He goes, I actually, they can get better at that shot. And I don't want you to continue to live in falsehood. <laughs> and that's what all of us do. We do all the time. And so what, and said he, so what are we supposed to do? Horrible shot. Boo. Boo. You know, no, he's like, next time it happens on the sidelines, you go, okay, we'll get it next time. We'll get it next time. Interesting, isn't it? Here's what I know. You and I all the time see people doing things that aren't right and they aren't good. And we'll go, it's okay. And it's not. I, I want to tell you, this is, I'm going to be, told, I'm going to be as vulnerable as I can with you. This message ruined me because I think I so want to get along. I so want to encourage you. I so want you to think good. So I, won't, I will live in falsehood with people. But here's the deal. If we see somebody who's actually doing something wrong and we don't say anything, what is our silence? See, here's, okay, here's what putting off falsehood is. That's why it's not speaking truth. Because you cannot say anything and you are lying. Because you're actually approving what the other person is doing. Or you're approving what they're saying. And I just realized, I mean, the Holy Spirit just hit me so hard. It's like, Dave, this is just, this isn't going to work. And then we have our polite lies too, Right? Like, you can come up to somebody and say, hey, are we okay? Is everything all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. No, you're not. You're not. And what's so funny is that's one of those fudge areas where we just go, I want to be a decent human being, but I want to also lie to benefit. And so what we're doing is we're living in falsehood with each other. And I, I, this is so hard for me. But as I've, this is one of the biggest things that God's been working on me, especially when I was on my sabbatical this summer, and it's, I just know this is where God is saying, David, you are not like me when you don't live in truth. And if you don't put falsehood, then it's death. And the craziest thing is, we think by just covering things up and acting like it's all okay, that it's going to make it better. It doesn't. Susie and I, our biggest struggle when we, were, when we were first married was our parenting, right? She had never even babysat. So when she had babies, she's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So all she would hear every day is, you're the worst mom on this planet. You're the worst mom on this planet. You're the worst mom on this planet. And I go to work all day long and I come home and I see things. And I say something. And Susie's like, Wah! and I'm serious, man. It was, it was intense. 
So you know what I did? I'm like, well, I don't want to hurt my wife. So I literally abdicated my role as a dad and didn't say anything. I lived in falsehood with my wife for years about our parenting. And eventually, and I want to tell you what, when there's no truth like that, there's no life like that. Falsehood is darkness, you guys. It's dark. And when things are dark, they don't grow. And when things are in the dark, they don't live. If you don't put off falsehoods, you're not being like God. And if you're not being like God, then it leads to death. And that's true for all of us in some way or another. But now let's flip it. So put off falsehood. Now speak truth. Okay? Let me just kind of bust through different ways that we can speak truth. Speak God's truth. That's one of the most important things that we can do is speak God's truth to each other. Because all of us have, we, we run into people and we all have our own ideas and our own opinions and our own perspectives of what life is and how we should do things. And so much of the time, we're not doing stuff or people around you are not living in line with God's truth. And the loving thing, here, here's what I can tell you. If you're going to be like God, does God ever not tell you the truth? He always is going to tell you the truth. So if we're going to love each other and we're going to actually go, we've got to speak the truth to each other. Secondly, when you speak the truth, you have to speak dependable words. This was really interesting. When you're speaking truth, you're saying something and you're actually going to follow through with it. You're, going to, you're, you're promising something and you're going to do it. Oh, this is so hard to share with you guys. But a few years ago, I'm sitting with my wife, I'm with Susie, and I'm putting stuff, you know, I'm, I'm going through the fruit of the spirit. And I was just kind of, I just got done with my quiet time with Jesus. It was really cool. I'm going with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And I was kind of, where am I good with those? And where am I struggling with those? And then Susie looks at me. She goes, Dave, she, um, can I tell you something? I'm like, sure. She goes, I've been praying for about a year on whether I should tell you this or not. That's fun to hear. And then she just tells me, she goes, the one fruit that I don't see in you is faithfulness. Like came out of left field. My wife is telling me that she doesn't see me being faithful. Now, not to her, but here's what she says. She goes, David, I know you. I know the intention of your heart, but I hear you all the time say that you're going to do something and then you don't do it. Susie had the courage to tell me the truth. And I want to tell you, here's the other thing. Here's the next one for me. Here's what truth is. They are helpful words. They are helpful. Now, did that feel good? That hurt like hell. I mean, it crushed me. It ruined me. But it was the truth. It was helpful and sometimes we've got to say things like that. You know, like what did our mother say? Our mother said, if you don't have something nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Susie, don't say that to me. <laughs> that wasn't nice. And I just learned, man, nice, Jesus never asked us to be nice. He did ask us to be kind. We'll get to that. But not nice. You know, if, if Jesus took that advice, right? If, what was it again? Uh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If Jesus would have taken that advice, he would have never come. Because Jesus needed to come down to earth and go, I got to tell you guys, you're in trouble. You actually need a savior. You're separated from God. 
If you die without having your sins forgiven, you're going to be separate. You're not going to get into eternal life in heaven with him. Those, but who likes to hear that? Oh, tell me more, Jesus, about, no, it hurts. But truth is helpful. Okay, got to keep going. Here's the next one. If you're going to speak the truth, I'm going to flip it now on you. Speak the good things that you feel. Speak truthfully. And here's what I know. We have so many people that we really appreciate. We actually really love them. We see good things in them, and we never say them. And if you don't speak the truth of the goodness, so many of us are walking around feeling like we're a bunch of losers and no one appreciates us and we're appreciated all the time, but nobody says anything. So speak the truth. Proverbs 3.27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. Don't withhold. Speak the goodness. And then the last one is speak the truth in love. Okay, let's all say it. If you don't have love, then you have nothing. Your truth without love will damage. It will be the tongue that sets the course of someone's life on fire. So if you don't, can't do it with love, then just shut up. <laughs> because literally, nothing matters. Speak with tongues of men's and angels and without love, nothing. So there you go. You are created to be like God. Put off your falsehood and speak truthfully to each other. All right? Now let's go to the next verse. Ephesians 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And here's the point. Tearing down is death, but building up is life. Tearing down is death. All, all around, Paul says this so many times. He makes this comparison. I am sent to build you up, not tear you down. To build you up, not tear you down. If you and I, those, come on, if you follow Jesus, you are created to be like God. Now, this is good news to me, that God is not interested in tearing us down. Isn't that good news? And yes, so many of us feel like when you're hearing condemnation and accusation, when you're hearing truth and it's destroyed, your microphone. When it's destroying your spirit, it's not God. He's never trying to tear you down. Now, will he say, you're not unfaithful? <coughs> yes, he will, because he loves you, because he's trying to build you up. All right? So, let's look at this. Oh, two verses. <sighs> Sit down. Proverbs 10 and 11 says this. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Proverbs 12.6 says, The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. When I read this and I was thinking about this, I, before I go in, to how we tear each other down and how we build each other up. I'm like, how will we leave here believing that that's what our tongue does? And I immediately had this image. If tearing down destroys lives, it's a murderous ambush 
this power to destroy a whole city. And yet the same power that can destroy a whole city can do this. Same power. And it's in you and me. And every day we're either and wiping people out or we're energizing. This is Detroit, by the way, my hometown. So here's, can I tell you about this? Without that power, people die. And I'm not kidding you. You don't go into Detroit. You got about a three block radius that you can walk around. You go outside that three block radius, you die. And we all know that. The t-shirt is true. Detroit, where the weak are killed and eaten. That's the t-shirt in Detroit. Because it's true. Without that power, without light in the city, it would be absolute chaos and people would die. It's been frigid, freezing cold in Detroit. Without that power, there's no warmth and people would die. Without your words, without my words, speaking and building each other up, people are dying and we have the power to bring life. All right, so let me talk about tearing down and we're just gonna keep this other image up of the bomb in Hiroshima. Let me, how, do we, how do we do this? By the way, you guys, one word can do this. This is what's so insane. One word. The Harvard Business Review did this intense study, and here's what they found. Constructive criticism actually is important for anybody to reach the fullness of life, but for every constructive, now listen, this isn't just a criticism. Constructive criticism. For every one, you gotta have five at least that are totally positive. Harvard knows this, understands this. I wanna tell you, man, um, years ago, and I, I can't go into the depths of the story just for time's sake, but I have had, I, I sat with a person, because here's what's important, I think. Some of us carry weight more than others because of our relationship. Your spouse carries weight if you're a dad, holy crow, do you carry weight. And a mom, a coach. I've seen some of my daughter's teams, girls needing antidepressants because of coaches. Whoa! So what I wanted to do was coach. It makes me so mad. They're words. And I've been that. I sat with somebody who mattered to me and they said something to me. And here's what I know. They had no idea. They thought maybe they pricked me, but they didn't prick me. The image I was, I was studying, any Star Wars fans, right, where, where Luke Skywalker shoots the proton missile into the exhaust, guides it through with the force, and it gets right to the core and explodes the whole Death Star. And we thought we pricked somebody with a word when the truth is, when I heard that, it's like he took a bazooka and aimed it right down my throat and just destroyed me. <laughs> and for years, for years, I believed that lie and it ruined me. And some of you have had that same thing happen to you. And the most humbling thing is that probably every one of us in this room has done it. 
Man, so let me just go a few, a few through of, of how we do this. What are, you, if you're created like God, you've got to not tear anybody down. Slander and gossip tear people down. And we know it happens all the time. It is so hard when you're with somebody and they're talking about somebody else and they're slandering them. But Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, comes down and he says sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, and slander. Can I just ask you, when's the last time that you were defaming someone's character, talking about them behind their back to another person and destroying them? And he says, if you're doing that, it is evil. Right on, because none of us will go, well, I'm not gonna murder anybody. I'm not gonna cheat on my wife. He goes, but when you do this, slander or gossip, it kills. You just did death in someone's life. Here's another one, harsh words. Proverbs 15:1 says, a gentle answer defects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. That's why I think he says, Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Harshness never works, ever. Come on, man. If someone comes at you harshly, what's your first reaction? <laughs> you got to defend. And if you're putting up a wall, how's that? Is this doing this? Is this, is this building our relationships and joining us together? No. And yet, like we learned yesterday at the conference, that's what they, they kept going. They have this crazy cycle where a man wants to be respected so bad, so he goes, well, I'm going to stop loving you. And then the woman wants to be loved so bad, she goes, I'm going to stop respecting you. Somehow we think if I say mean things, if I get harsh, if I get louder, it's like then you're going to change and become who I want you to be. And the answer is never. Walls are going to come up or shame is going to be the result. Man, when you're coming down at somebody harshly, you create shame and shame every time. Every time will cause someone to hide. When you are shame, you will hide. So if you're a harsh word person, if you think that's gonna create goodness and relationship, you bought a lie, it's just not gonna happen. Here I am, okay. Next one, condescending and judgmental. It's very similar, it's just not harsh, but as we heard yesterday, when you think you're smarter and better, that's what, you know, she'd be hard. She's like, when they think you're smarter or better than you, and they, they, they just made the point, it's so clear. Jesus, the only people he couldn't penetrate were the religious leaders who thought they were better than everybody else. And so if you're condescending, if you're judging, that's always gonna be a word that is evil and breaks. Sarcasm, oh, I can't even get into that one. I used to debate how sarcasm was good for us. I was in college, I didn't know anything yet, but sarcasm, and here's the last one, flattery. Flattery. Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates its victims and flattering words cause ruin. What's flattery? You're point blank lying again. You're telling somebody that they're really good or they're all this and it's not true. You're telling them it's okay to miss the goal by 10 feet. <laughs> And you know what happens? As soon as someone knows, you're never gonna actually, and then their life falls apart, and what happens to your relationship if you've been the one flattering them the whole time? They won't trust you. It leads to ruin, okay? So there we go. 
Tearing down leads to death. Now let's hit the last one. But building up. Okay, let's end with the good stuff. Building up leads to life. To life. Now how do we do this? Here's some ways. The Bible says, when you speak, be kind. Now, don't be nice, because that's about, that's what I learned. I want to be nice so you like me. Then it's about me. But be kind. Proverbs 16, 24 says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. When you are kind, when your words are kind, you are actually ministering to someone's soul. That's a beautiful thing. You're like God. You're giving life to them and light. And I'm going to tie that right into encouragement. That's the other thing. So speak kind, but then encourage one another. The Bible says encourage one another daily. It means to give support and confidence and hope. You can do this. Let's encourage each other. Do you guys know that the word in the Greek, which is, you know, we don't use a lot, but it actually means to call to one's side. When you encourage someone, you're coming here, say, come right here. And then, could that be bedside manners? This is so interesting. There have been tons of studies in hospitals. This is crazy. They'll have 50 hospital beds where people are super sick, and the doctors will come to those 50 hospital beds and look at each patient, look them in the eye, touch them on the shoulder, and say, hey, man, you're, you're looking great. Looks like you're going to do. You're doing well. Way to go. Then they have 50 hospital beds where the doctor walks in, looks at the chart, doesn't say anything to the patients, and leaves. These are scientific studies. You know what happens? The 50 people who were encouraged by the doctor heal faster. Over and over again. We need to encourage each other. What would happen if people were receiving the encouragement? Here's another way you can build each other up. You can be like God, create life in people. I see, we call them I see in you conversations. It just is that ability to say, I see this in you. Just like I've had people say things to me that have crushed me and tore me down, I've also had people look at me and say, Dave, I see this in you. My brother-in-law was the first person who ever said, Dave, did you ever think about youth ministry? No. Why would anybody think about doing that? <laughs> I, think you should th I think you would do a great job. You need to think about that. Les Beecham, two weeks later. Dave, I'm going to bring in a guy. To, he wants to interview some people for a youth ministry position. I gave him your name. I'm not in the youth ministry department. Why, why are you getting in my name? I see you on campus. I see what you're doing. I see how you're influencing people. I see this in you. So I, I do that, and I finally, and then I, when I start Kensington, Steve Andrews, I'm 25 years old, this huge church, and, and, and I'm going to do the youth. And I'm there for three months, and Steve goes, Dave, I want you to speak on Sunday. What, 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 why? Because I see this in you. Those words of life changed my life. What do you see in your son and your daughter, in your wife, in your husband, in your friends? Speak it. Build them up and help them discover who God created them to be. Affirmation, it's very similar. Just affirm. Let's affirm each other. Steve Andrews, that's what he used to do. He would affirm me and it was like, oh my gosh, it's healing me. His words were healing me because I didn't get that affirmation growing up. I needed, I, I wanted to know I could do, can I do anything? Every guy wants to know, can I, do I have what it takes? And I never heard that. And finally, Steve Andrews says, you have what it takes. You can do this. And then I'd be sitting in a room with people and he'd go, Nelson, he has what it takes. He can do this. I'm like, Oh my God. And it healed my soul. And it gave me life. Last thing I'm going to say is this. 
And then ask questions. One of the best things you can do with your tongue when you're with another person is ask them questions. Why? Because when you're asking questions, who's it about? It's about them. It's amazing how few people actually get with another person and ask the other person questions. We want to talk about ourselves. And that's what's crazy is when you're with somebody and they're asking you questions, they want to get to know you, you all of a sudden feel valuable. You can make people feel valuable. You can lift them up. You can build them up just by saying, I'm so interested in you. Get to know them. Ask them some questions. And then it's amazing the healing that we can do. Here's the truth, you guys. When you build someone up, you are being like God. And when you speak truth, you are being like God. And I do want to say this last thing. The Bible says we are supposed to be built up into Christ. And that's why when we're building someone up, we're not flattering them. We're not just blowing smoke up their skirt. We're telling them the truth. We're telling them the truth about God so that they can know what will give them life. We're telling them the truth about what we can see in them. We're lifting them up. We're encouraging them. We're affirming who they are. And people, all of us in this room, your spouse, your kids, us, coworkers, man, we could be coming alive if we would do this. And the Bible said, not the Bible. The Bible doesn't say this. God says this. <laughs> you were created to be like me. I gave you my spirit. Put off your falsehood. Speak truthfully to one another. Don't tear anyone down. It is death. Build everyone up. And it is life. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close. So here's, if you will walk out of here and actually do this, every time you will speak the truth, David, every time you will put off falsehood, quit acting like everything's okay, you're actually worshiping God. Because I can tell you, man, if, I'm, if I have to do this on my own strength, what, what, did the, what did James 3 say? No human can do this. <laughs> no human can do this. But Jesus did it, and Jesus lives in me. And so it's super important that I get to the point where I understand the only way that I'm ever going to actually speak truth, put off falsehood, quit tearing anybody down, and start building each other up is if Jesus becomes the most important thing to me. And if I humble myself to him, then I can receive. He goes, if you humble yourself, confess you can't do this, but be willing to do it. He goes, I will give you grace and mercy to help you. I will help you. And so as we walk out of here, and if you don't feel like, if you're still like me, where you're scared to death at times to tell someone the truth, if you're scared to death to put off the falsehood, if you're speaking truth, but you're doing it harshly, and you're breaking people down instead of building each other up, then the next time it comes, you gotta go, I'm not gonna do this, but I'm gonna do it for you. There's your power. So the band's gonna come out, and we're gonna close with one last song. It's How Great Thou Art. Try to pick one that you know really well. If you, if you grew up in church, you kind of know how great thou art. If you didn't, just listen carefully. But here's why we chose this song. If there's power,
power in the spoken word. Then there's power when we sing. And maybe you guys have never thought about this. But if there's power in a spoken word, then when you go, how great thou art, how great thou art, and you're expressing that, there's power in that. You are worshiping him. What are you doing when you're doing that? You're saying, you, God, are, and I'm not. And I am going to worship you by speaking truth and putting off falsehood and building each other up. So, but we need to know he's great. You got to put him as the greatest thing and say it and speak it so it'll get to your heart. So you'll actually say yes to him the next time he asks you to do this. All right? So let's stand together and let's sing it.